3: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
5: AT&T connects in Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
6: Welcome to Checking In with Michelle Williams, a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. Why do I sense that you're waiting for permission to be great? You're waiting for permission to go and execute those goals. You're waiting on somebody's permission. You're waiting on validation. You're waiting on acceptance. You guys, my mission on the show is definitely to help create an amazing foundation for your mental health, but also something that can go and work in congruent with your mental health. Like, I just want everybody to be out here and be in their bag. Not only me and my candy corn bag, but I want you to be in your bag of fulfillment, your bag of being healthy, whole, prosperous, successful, with love and joy. Well, I've got a friend of the show who is unapologetic about helping leaders. He's unapologetic about helping people maximize their God-given passion. Coming up next on Checking In. Y'all, I'm excited about this episode. I know y'all gonna judge me because you say, Michelle, you say that every episode. But each episode goes higher and higher and higher. I am excited to have with me today someone named Stephen Chandler. Like, who was Stephen Chandler? Well, he is the lead pastor of Union Church, five locations DC, Charlotte, Columbia, and a couple other places. Yes, he's pastor. Yes, he has that title. But what he's doing even outside of that role, to me, it doesn't matter about your title. It's how you're serving outside of the role. As a husband, a father, a friend, and um, someone who inspires thousands of people. So a a mutual friend of ours was like, Michelle, get into Stephen Chandler, have him on. And y'all, he's the author of a new book that blessed me. It's called Stop Waiting for Permission. Harness your gifts, find your purpose, and unleash your personal genius. Y'all, please welcome to checking in, Stephen Chandler.
7: Come on, I am. I'm honored, honored, honored to be here. And uh, it's your interview, but I'm going to jump ahead first. You are one of my heroes, and you may hear that, but I don't think you've heard it like this before. Obviously, what you've accomplished, your success is known by the world. But never have I seen somebody with that level of success and your level of transparency Mm -hmm. and your level of helping and heart for other people. And you have no idea how much your story and your journey has impacted my home and people that I care about dearly. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. Oh,
6: wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate those words. I really, really do. I'm excited to get into this book. But before we get into this book for my listeners, they're like, okay, Michelle, you said he's pastor. Okay. okay, He's got some locations. So y'all that are in some of those areas, get your hinds to one of those locations, (laughs) but give us a snippet of your background, maybe before pastoring.
7: Yeah. So I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor, pastor long to been alive. I'm one of five children. So the house was always packed, always crowded, always loud. And then my parents were immigrants. They came from the island of Barbados. I was born in Maryland, but I'm an island boy. And just that, that, that immigrant, that minority, that pastor's home, I just grew up where, listen, you going to be successful. Like you go, you going to do something with your life or you're not going to live here. Like go make something of yourself. And because my dad was a pastor, mm. I was just like, I don't want to do that. Like I saw the challenge, the dealing with people and all that. And my goal was to be filthy rich. I'm like, I'm gonna start a business, I'm gonna get really rich, and I was like, I'll give money to the church. That'll be my like, you know, Christian give back. And other than that, I'm good. The other side of me, and it's a you know, different side story, but I I just dealt with such insecurity. I was a mm. super introvert, a little socially awkward. And I had an older sister that I mean. This girl was the most gifted, talented person on planet Earth, classical pianist, gotten to all these Ivy League schools and all that. And I just so comparing myself to her, mm. thought I had nothing to offer, thought that there was nothing special or unique about me. And I'll not give the whole story, but fast forward 20-something years, God is using me to influence people and to have an impact that I never thought possible. So that, that that's Cliff Loatz.
6: Why is it that a lot of amazing speakers and authors, speakers to thousands of people, entertainers to thousands of people, answer me this. Why is it a common thread of being an introvert? I would never think that.
7: Now I'm an introvert and I'm, I'm gonna become an introvert advocate cause I'm here <laughs> for it. Here, here, here's my theory. I think at, are you an introvert? I,
6: I feel, I'm like, I've been an introvert all this time.
7: Okay. Cause I got to make sure I don't, I'm about to bash extroverts, but.
6: <laughs> no, I feel, I, I become an extrovert after I've come to know you and your family and dogs. Exactly.
7: For a <laughs> Which is a hundred percent introvert. So here's, here's what they say. They said extroverts have a million relationships that are an inch deep introverts have like five relationships that are a mile deep. Like we don't connect with a lot of people, but the people we connect with, it's like family. And I think an introvert strength and every, everything's great. Everybody's personality has a strength and it has a weakness as introverts. Our strength is connecting with people on a deep level. So, Mm -hmm. of course, as you're writing books, as you're preaching, communicating from a platform, as you're performing, one of the biggest factors from a platform is can you connect with people on a deep level? And we use that ability in our communication. Now, when I get off the platform, leave me alone. I want to talk to you.
6: (laughs) And it's not that you're being mean or standoffish and it's something to work through.
7: It is. It is. It is.
6: People don't realize it is something to work through. But, you know, I've got a handful of folks who listen to this episode, my episodes every week. And they know when I see them out in public or out and about, they know it's all love. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I found that I find that fast fascinating to hear that coming from you. I want to get right in. Can we get right in to this book?
7: Stop Waiting for Permission. So I gave you a little bit of my story. Fast forward, and it's a long story, but I'm 26 years old. I've been pastoring my church for three years at the time. It was 2000, um, all the dates and all that stuff. Mm. Long story short, the church was about 400 people and it had not grown in three years. And if you asked my wife, she would say I was depressed. Nope. I think I was discouraged, strongly discouraged for a long time.
6: Now, wait a minute. Now, wait, wait, wait.
7: You're, you're gonna give me a trouble. Go ahead, go ahead. I was mm. depressed. I just Let's don't want to call admit. it what it is. I just and don't it's okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
6: But what's the cliche that we hear? In order to heal, you must yep. reveal.
7: Absolutely. And what, what happened was I just couldn't deal with the fact that my dream was not coming to pass. And mm. I didn't know how to get out of the rut that I was in. And Michelle, I tried to give the church away. I was looking for an exit. I'm like, how do I get out? I went to the church, you know, down the street, be like, Hey, you want our building? Can can you take over? Or, or I And it, it was God, but I couldn't get out of it. Like, you know, you got a bad church, but you can't even give it away. <laughs> I mean, like, nobody wanted it. And what happened was because I couldn't get out of it. I'm like, well, I got to figure this out. And probably one of the things that I did right was I started getting around people that were ahead of me, people that were further down the road that had walked that journey before. And I began to realize that there was some specific things that they were doing that I was not doing. And I'm like, ah, maybe it's not me that I don't have what it takes. Maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. Long story short, about five years later, Union Church was named the fastest growing church in America.
6: Yes, That was
7: in 2020. We have more than doubled since then. We have thousands of people that are coming to the church across four, almost five different locations. And to look back and to think all of that potential was in me when I was getting ready to quit and I didn't even know it. And the whole heart behind this book is there's a couple that's getting ready to quit on a marriage because they don't think that marriage could ever become what they dream. There's a parent that's getting ready to quit on really investing in their kids. Somebody's getting ready to quit on a business or maybe even quit on their faith because they don't realize that everything they need to build the dream in their heart, it's already inside of them. We just need some practical action steps of how do I get from where I am to where I dream of being? And that's really what the book is.
6: So I'm privy to the first chapter of this book. Yeah. And it is speaking to me, even after what God has blessed me to do, you did get to the point like, have I reached the ceiling? Is there more? Yeah. Then my heart goes out to the person that feels like this is all God has for them. I know there is more. I'm walking in it. Yeah. Then there's somebody who feels like, okay, for instance, Shaka Khan during Essence Fest one year, she had this program for women in the city of New Orleans. And something that spoke to me, Stephen, was a young lady who was a maid at a hotel because her mother was a maid. Her grandmother Mm -hmm. was a maid. And that's all she knew. Well, with this program, somehow she got exposed to a job at City Hall. And I think so many people feel like, well, because my grandfather worked a blue collar job, by the way, nothing is wrong with uh, the blue collar job. My dad worked a blue collar job and that's what put food on the table.
7: Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah.
6: But when you see that and you don't go outside of your environment, you don't know that there's more or I can. And I, and how do I say this without saying because you have a blue collar job, you're not great because it is stop waiting for permission. Yeah, yeah. You know, be great. You know, the first chapter was like, you do have permission to dream it, to even think about greatness. Is it because of us as a people, black people from no matter what country you come from, you have to have this posture of we just got to do what we got to do to pay the bills?
7: Yeah, it's 100 percent exposure because you really don't know where you are or who you are, or how much you have in you until you see what other people do. Now, here's the problem. If everybody around you is in line with you, you may feel like this is good. This is happiness, food on the table. I'm good to go. All that other good stuff. And you've got to do the work to get out of that environment, even if it's just through a podcast even if it's reading a book or there's ways to be exposed to worlds that you don't walk in. Here's the other side. And here's the danger. A lot of us, our goal in life is to be one step better than our parents. So mama drove this and I'm going to get me one of these or daddy lived in this neighborhood. And now I'm going to get to live in that neighborhood. And, and you know, well, their marriage, they stayed married, but boy, did they hate each other. So my marriage is going to be here. And oftentimes when we get one step Mm. ahead of our comparison, we're good, not realizing that good is not great. Good may be I'm doing better than I used to be, or I'm doing better than somebody else. Great is I have maximized all the potential inside of me. And in this situation, here's what greatness is. My life this year doesn't look like my life last year. That's all it all greatness is, is one step forward. My marriage is better this year than it was last year. My mm. money is better this year than it was last year. My health or whatever it may be. And then here's what you find: there's no finish line mm. to greatness. It's not when I hit my first million, then I'm great. Or then when I'm known, or when this happens, when that happens, it's no. no. I'm only great when I'm taking one step forward, and I'm doing a little bit better this year than I was last year. Wow.
6: The question I have then is: It God given? Like, does God require? Yeah. It's actually in this book, y'all. I was just trying to act like I know.
7: (laughs) I like the alley oop you're throwing right now. So I, obviously I'm a pastor. I'm a person of faith. I know everybody who's listening is not necessarily a person of faith, but you got Stephen Chandler. So here we go. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that we were made in the image of God. Genesis one26 we're made an image of God. Mm, yep. God is a great God. You're talking about creator of the universe, maker of heaven and earth. If we were made in his image, it is impossible for a great God. To make insignificant people. Because if we were insignificant, we would not be made in his image. And simply by the fact that he's great and we were made to be like him, there's greatness inside of us.
6: So, meaning he didn't make nothing to be small, insignificant, purposeless, lifeless.
7: God don't make no junk.
6: That's what the mothers say. That's what the mothers and the old deacons would say God didn't nope, make no come on junk. Now. Everything God made can be used.
7: Absolutely. I'll even go this far. I believe every single person on earth is God's solution to some problem here on earth. There is a problem here on earth that you are the only person that will be the solution to that problem. And I'll even say it this way. And God does not have a plan B. Like either you step into your divine role or there will be a void in the earth where your gifts, talents, personality, and ability was supposed to fill.
1: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot,
2: but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.
0: State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future. Building off the hard work our parents have done before us, we all are looking to create generational wealth Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects
8: an ode to podcasts.
9: tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite.
6: What's your answer to the person that's saying, yeah, but, yeah, but my mom did this to me. Yeah, but I was born into poverty. Yeah, but I was born with drugs in my system. Yeah, but I'm still in an abusive environment.
7: First off, my heart breaks for you. The reality is every single person is born into a world that's painful Mm. and full of adversity. And it may not be that I was molested as a child. It may be that I had leukemia when I was 13 or it may be that I grew up in an impoverished area or I grew up with dyslexia or whatever it may be. Every single person, listen, every single person has adversities that you would never know about that they have to fight through. And that's just the painful part of life. But here's something that oh, it may not be very encouraging, but it's so true. Your pain is also your greatest asset. Because the pain that you've experienced has given you an experience on life that nobody else is going to have. So nobody else is going to be able to write a book from your perspective, approach that business from your perspective, approach faith from your perspective, sing from your perspective, whatever your passion, gifting area of influence is going to be. You are going to be the only person with that story and that journey and your pain is going to be a blessing to so many other people. And your pain is going to turn into profit. It's going to make you money because you're going to be able to speak to people that can connect with you and your pain. I've heard it say, people may be impressed with your successes, but they connect with your pain. That is the great equalizer.
6: If you start really talking about what you've been through, I felt like, Michelle, if you really go deep into what you've been through, you might lose some folks. Yeah. But that wasn't true.
7: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't
6: true. I'm thinking, well, no, people aspire to be like me. But if they find out what I've gone through, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm good. I might as well stay where I am. But it's like, that's not true. Yeah. That is not true. And it's not like people, and I, that's not what I do. But there are people who purposely, they're not trying to make money from their pain. I think mm-hmm. there, there could be a word for that, which it would be gross. But <laughs> there becomes opportunities where you get a chance to share your story with the world.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Now yeah. let's go to this word permission. Stop waiting for permission. You say, "Yo, yeah, this was amazing. When it comes to greatness, some people are full of potential, but short on dry. Others are driven, but lack direction. Still others have direction, but also have debilitating fear and doubt. Many people I meet have potential drive and direction, but for some mysterious reason, they're still waiting around for greatness to just kind of happen. Maybe they feel they don't deserve it. Maybe they think there isn't room for them at the table. One of my most favorite paragraphs in Mm. the book. Short on drive or discipline.
7: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: Because I'm wondering when you have discipline, do you stay driven or the discipline keeps you driven? You're not going to feel like wanting to do it all. Who wants to feel like eating right all the time? Who wants to work out? Nobody. I don't. Yeah. But I I like how it makes me feel. Like I'm like, man, you should have been doing this all the time. You ever get that way? Like, man, if I should have just been doing this, I would have been a bodybuilder by now.
7: (laughs) I mean, not me, but I'm sure other people feel like that.
6: (laughs) Well, give us something that you were, that you found out with drive and you became great at.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I I went to school, University of Maryland, College Park, shout out. And uh, I was an average student. I mean, I I did enough to pass the class. And I always say, it's not until I graduated and got into my life and career and all that, that I realized that I was actually in intelligent. And when I applied myself and put effort and all that other kind of stuff that I actually got great results. And with that came overwhelming guilt because I'm like, man, imagine if I did this all the time. Imagine if I had started this Mm. 16 or 15 or 14, or where would I be if I had been more disciplined and all that other good stuff. And two things I I realized, one, hopefully this helps people. First of all, you know your grandma used to say, it makes no sense crying over spilt milk. Like, listen, we all make mistakes. We all have seasons where we lack drive, lack discipline, lack vision. Don't live your life looking backwards. Live your life looking forward. And whatever was is, but hey, I'm going after all that God Mm -hmm. has for me. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, as I look back, why did I not have drive and discipline in college? It's because I didn't have any vision. Oh. I did. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble, Michelle. Oh. I'm getting big trouble. Now they're not gonna read the book when they find out what my GPA was. But uh, <laughs> I had a, a 2.9 GPA. I was still mad about that percent Like making a 3.0. But I had a 2.9 GPA in college. When I graduate college, I'm going to apply for jobs, right? I get a job and they offer me my salary. And I'm like, well, I know somebody else who got this job and they got $15,000 more than me. I want that 15K. And they said, no, you needed a 3.0 or above. I had a 2.9. I didn't, as a freshman in college, have a vision that my discipline today is going to affect my life five years from now. And because of that, I was lacking drive. And a lot of people, hey, where do I get discipline from? Where do I get drive from? It starts with having a vision of what could be. Hey man if i'm disciplined for the next 3 years if i'm if i'm driven i can be in this place and because i want to be in this place i'm willing to say no to hitting snooze on my phone or i'm willing to to put that extra effort in or or whatever it may be so it, it, it's vital but don't beat yourself up over not having drive or not having discipline get you a vision that is wow. worth driving after and is worth saying no to your desires.
6: And a lot of people that are listening to this, again, the book is called Stop Waiting for Permission. A lot of folks are waiting because of the fear. This is a true fear, folks, yeah. because you're actually going to be the first to do it in your family. Yeah, And you also talk about that in the book, like, sometimes when you're the first to do it, ain't nobody done it around you. You're going to be shunned, rejected. Talk about that a little bit.
7: Oh my goodness. So I became the senior pastor of my dad's church when I was 23 years old. My mom had been battling cancer for the last 13 years and my dad came to me and said, man, I really feel like it's time for me to step away from the church and care for your mom. How do you feel about becoming a senior pastor? And, mm. uh, you know, bought it to the board of directors and they all approved it. And I, I was just paralyzed in fear. I'm like, I'm young. I've never been to seminary. I'm not married. Like that's three strikes and you're out. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't have what it takes. But even in that, I was a little bit of a creative, a maverick. So I got rid of the three piece suits I took down all the flags of the nations around the church. I threw the ferns out. I put some jeans on, got some LED lights. And I'm like, well, if we're going to do church, we're going to do church for millennials. And oh my gosh, did the people start to talk. Oh, that, that, God, this has never been done before. Black people ain't going to go to church like that. I mean, just everything Mm. you can imagine. And for a while, it shook me because it's like, Do you see anybody else doing this that's successful at this? And I'm like, no. All I know is that as a 23 year old, none of my friends are coming to this church unless I change. Don't change the gospel. Don't change the message. But it can't be three hours. It gotta be. It gotta be a little shorter than three hours. And uh, they don't have three piece suits, so I can't get up there in a three piece suit. Mm -hmm. And, And you feel dumb for a while doing something that hasn't been done before. And there's this almost debilitating fear of failure mm. what if they're right what if there's egg on my face what if i don't accomplish this and everybody knows that i tried and i failed mm. i'm not trying to pump myself up or this is just kind of how steven was wired i had a bigger fear than failure and the fear for me was being average And I knew so many people who were average and they were miserable. They didn't have bad lives. They were just unfulfilled. There was so much more in them than they were living out. And I was like, I may fail. I may be a laughing stock. People might laugh and, hey, he failed and tried. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to be miserable and average.
6: But what they can say is you tried versus not. Doing it at all?
7: Absolutely, and you got to get to a place where you're just fed up with where you are. Look, my marriage ain't gonna be where it is one day longer. My money's not gonna be here. My kids, my I'm not I'm not gonna be here one day longer. I'm I may fail, but I'm gonna try something different and I'm gonna move forward because average is unacceptable.
6: Unacceptable. Wow. But Stephen, it's comfortable. I'm comfortable here. (laughs)
7: <laughs> and if you would be honest you're comfortable and you're miserable
6: sheesh because you ooh.
7: that's called a spade is spade you know how to make the right Instagram post and you know how to laugh right with your friends and, but when you get off by yourself you're miserable how do I know that because God made us to be miserable with anything less than the potential he placed inside of us God set it up That the only thing that will fulfill us is when we are walking in the purpose, the destiny, the potential that he's placed inside of us. And you may be comfortable, but you're miserable.
6: So even the being miserable, we might be speaking to someone who's been feeling like, who could say, Michelle, Stephen, I have been, I've been feeling miserable or I've been feeling uneasy. Like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something now without giving away stuff in your book? How does a person ID what is holding them back?
7: First of all, that misery could come with guilt because you're like, I'm miserable with where I'm in life, but I don't really have anything to complain about because my life is so much better than other people. And we first have to settle in our hearts. Comparison is not the game. It's not the goal to be better than Mm. somebody else. The goal is to fulfill all that God has placed inside of me. Once I've got that brought to a place of peace, then I need to figure out what's the next step. Oftentimes we get so fixated on the finish line and we know where we want to be five years from now. And that's great, but I just need to know what I need to do five minutes from now. So, for example, you need to build a foundation that greatness can be built upon. So, you know, this you can be outrageously talented, but if you don't have a work ethic, if you don't have discipline, if you don't have consistency, part of your foundation is your mental health. If you don't have peace internally, you won't be able to maximize your potential. So, for some people, your first step is I, I need to go to a counselor. I need to do what Steven won't do. I need to d- admit that depression is a part of my life. It's not just discouragement that I need to get some professional help. There's no shame in it. That's right. And that's my first step towards maximizing the greatness that's inside of me. So first mm. I need a solid foundation. A second, and I'm not gonna give away the whole book. But thank tonight. you so much, y'all. He's given us two. Come on up. I need to find out what sets me apart. A lot of people don't realize this. I call it your unique genius. Everybody, just just trust me on this one. Every human being on earth, you have something about you that is your advantage on this planet. For one person, it may be their athleticism. For another person, it may be their ability to connect with people. For another person, it may be the fact That their mind is just analytical and everything you see, you break it down into bite-sized pieces or whatever it may be. And if you don't find out what your unique advantage is, you'll never be able to maximize your potential. So how do I find out what it is? Well, start asking some questions. One question is, what do people always want from me? Well, one of the words that we call is what's your gifting? What's your gifting? Mm-hmm. Well, what's a gift? Mm-hmm. A gift is something you give away. How valuable is my gift? Well, how excited are people when I give it away? When Michelle Williams sings, millions of people come flocking. When Steven sings, dogs howl.
6: That's not <laughs>
7: true. <laughs> well, that's how you know. No, the only people that like to hear me sing is my grandma and me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know.
6: She'd be like, take your time, baby. Take your time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let him use I you. I going
7: go help me. <laughs> so what do people flock to me for? What do people ask for more and more mm. and more of? What do I do that when I put in the same effort as somebody else, I get exponentially better results. All those are clues of what your gifting is. Think about your gifting as the key to a car. It does not matter how strong the engine of that car is. If you don't have a key to turn that engine, it's not moving. It doesn't matter how big your dream is or how amazing your potential is. If you don't discover what your unique advantage is, your gifting the key to your destiny. You're not going to make progress.
9: tiredness nausea sore mouth abnormalities in liver blood tests diarrhea hair thinning or loss vomiting rash and loss of appetite
6: so to the person that's feeling like they don't fit that's there's something unique all the awkward people come on there's something unique that does not allow you to fit in Something unique. Can you imagine like everybody looking the same, dressing the same, talking the same. But when you step on the scene, everybody is like, wait a minute.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Even though they're like, wait a minute, they still won't let you in because they know it's something different about you. So embrace that unique. You may spell it U-N-I-Q-U-E, but I'm going to go even further. Y O U. Yeah, that you need that you think.
7: Yeah, that that is your God given advantage to set you apart. Not everybody will stand on a platform. That's right. But nobody should be invisible. Everybody should have has something about them that just sets them apart, and you've got to identify that in yourself. Here's here's the thing: other people will often identify it in you before you can identify it in yourself. So you just kind of got to start paying attention. So I said, my dad was a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor just because I saw all that he'd been through. Yeah. When I was 16 years old, I had my first job was at a sneaker store and it was the worst job ever because I give my entire paycheck right back to them. My shoe game was fly, but I was broke. But I'm 16 years old working at a shoe store and my 26 year old manager would just bring all of her life problems. And I would sit in the back room and just, well, man, first you got to deal with this. And then you got to unpack mm. it. No, you don't let that person push you around, speak up. And, and I didn't know it. I was 16. I was pastoring her. Why would a 26 year old come to a 16 year old for advice? Because she saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And then I go to the next place and this 40 year old man is, hey, you got time to talk. And, and then this, this person and they saw a gifting to lead people to peace and purpose that I didn't even see in myself. So start just, hey, take notes. What what do people come to me for? What do people constantly celebrate me for? Chances are it's a clue towards my unique genius.
6: Mm. The question that comes all the time, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my passion? How do I do this? This is a perfect couple steps that you've given us. Like you said, what do people most come to you for? Yeah.
7: Can I give you one more?
6: Are you serious? You gonna ki- OMG? This is an honor.
7: You can't shut a preacher up.
6: Oh, I'm truly humbled. Okay, y'all. This is like five steps almost he's <laughs> given us.
7: Oftentimes, your greatest frustration is the problem that you've been placed on earth to be the solution to. So a lot of times I'm so frustrated, whatever, I'm just making stuff up. But just think about the person who invented, you know, fast food restaurants and there's no going to be a line. You just walk up to the different registers. That started out as a person that was frustrated in standing in long lines at restaurants and said, wait, why don't we just kind of put seven registers so you could just walk up to anyone you want and it can move fast. Their frustration actually pointed them to the impact that they were going to have on an industry. What makes you mad? What frustrates you? What do you notice every time you walk in a room? What irritates you? Chances are that is a problem that God created you to solve.
6: Come on. That's so good. That's so good. People be like, why are you always fussing? Cause I feel something I need to change.
7: Yeah. Come on now. <laughs>
6: That is so 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 good. So stop waiting. Stop waiting for permission. Stop. Don't even don't even ask for permission to be great. Like you said, greatness don't mean million dollar eight vehicles, any designer dud, and shoes and clothes. That's not nope. what we're saying. Now, if you do right, and you you know you get a coin for it, then you know steward it well then go ahead and do it go ahead and go ahead and get live your life go ahead and go for it but we i don't want anyone to feel like they've got they might say hey i just want to help people i just want to love on people i just feel called to to help people and you don't feel like you got to be on the cover of blogs and news and that could come with it because most times people they're they're out here minding their business and then that's how their business gets spotlighted on the news or on a podcast. You know, It's when you're out here being great, somebody picks that up. So I get what a lot of people are saying, Michelle, I don't want that type of greatness. I'm not saying you do, but it's okay when it's spotlighted and when you're thrust into another stratosphere and the money comes and the sponsorships come, the endorsements come that help you propel your vision even further.
7: Can I say something about money for half a second that might get me in Jeez, trouble? But oh Lord, yeah, I, I live in trouble. <laughs> I, I was reading a book by a Jewish Rabbi Thou uh, Shalt Prosper, Rabbi Lappin, and he said here was the biblical and the Jewish mindset about money. Money is how people say thank you for the blessing that you've been to them. It's not about greed. It's not about I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of people. Let me, let me give you an example. I don't know, something extreme. If I broke my leg and there's a doctor who resets it and, and sets me up for healing, I'm giving money of, man, thank you for bringing healing to the brokenness in my life. I'm so grateful. Without your gifting, without your skill set, I would be in pain for years and years and years. And when, when a school teacher is paid, that money is thank you for educating my child. Thank you mm-hmm. for helping my kid discover their gifts, their, att- their ability and all that other good stuff. We have this mindset that money is like bad or it's evil or it's manipulative or whatever. We're not going after the money. We're going after impacting people and being a blessing to people. And if you're enough of a blessing to people, they will respond by saying, hey, here's how much of a blessing you've been to me, that I'm going mm-hmm. you know, to buy everything that you sold, or I'm, I'm going to invest in your business, or I'm going to give a grant to your nonprofit or whatever it may be. So sometimes we feel, guilt. ah, money shouldn't be coming into my life. No, no, that's an indication of how much of a blessing and an impact you're being to people.
6: All right. Well, I'm going to stop declining coins at times. I'm just like, like, Michelle, it's their way of saying thank you. (laughs) Okay, I got it. Okay. (laughs) Did y'all get that too, listeners? Did y'all, family, did y'all receive that? Now people are going to be like, wait a minute, there's some money I want to go and get back. I want to let them say thank you. (laughs) I love it. So, so good. Well, we thank you so much for joining us and for writing this book that, like I said, y'all, it began to just free me just within the first chapter. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Now in the back, is that a workbook or something that comes with it?
7: Yeah. So there's actually two books that are coming out. It's the stop waiting for permission, which is the one we've been talking about. And then there's actually a study guide, a completely different book that runs in concert with the book. And here's my goal. You know, you read some books and they inspire you and then you put it down and three weeks later, you didn't forgot everything you were inspired about. Mm-hmm. I want people that their life is further ahead six months after reading the book. Than when they first laid eyes on it. So, that workbook, it walks you through some of those questions. Here's how you find your gifting. Here's questions to ask yourself. Hey, here's how I could figure out what my first step is, second step. Here's how I can figure out if my motivation is off, if it's selfish, if it's greed, or if it's passion and it's purpose. So, the study guide kind of unpacks the concepts in the book. Wow.
6: Y'all, that's so good. When we stop waiting for permission, You never know. When you get out of fear or procrastination, I'm telling you, it's gonna be that one move that unlocks so much for you, your family, your seed down the line. So I'm so thankful that you wrote this book. You guys, please, please get this book and get the study guide. I know that it's gonna go deep with you. I'm going to get it and I'm gonna get the study guide and I'm gonna have him back. Maybe we could do a personal processing because people don't even know what it's like to unpack stuff live or in front of somebody. They get fear to get counseling or something. So I cannot wait to get my hands on the book and do the study guide. And I want to process it with you a little bit some more.
7: Let's do it. it.
6: Okay, thank you for checking in. Okay, y'all. I'm like, man, I can't wait to have so-and-so on because I know my guests are gonna love them. But then I get as much teaching as you guys do. It's like, I'm a student right with you guys. I'm learning so much. I'm getting inspired so much. And so mm y'all, I'm not waiting for permission from nobody to continue walking in purpose and walking in greatness. Now, what greatness is for you is different. So don't let anybody even define for you what greatness is or what success is. Don't settle. I don't want you to settle and I don't want you to be comfortable and be mediocre. Those are different things, okay? Another nugget from his book, he says, Wounds from trauma are real, but they don't have to define you. To shoot for greatness, the first thing to do might be to seek healing from the wounds that hold you back. Brilliant. He also says, take a minute to reflect on the ways you've allowed or not allowed yourself to even desire greatness. Why don't you even desire more? Assess the following areas, relationships, career, finances, and family. And as you consider the last five to 10 years, think about the ways you've aimed for greatness or settled for average. All right, do a quick check in. He even says it. Let's do a quick check in. So he's challenging our thoughts about why we don't even desire or why you don't even desire more for yourself in your life. I just want you to go and get the book. Stop waiting for permission. Stop waiting, y'all. Stop waiting. Go out there. Go get it. Checking in with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions